0: So Romans chapter 4 from verse 16, I'll start with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've not let us guessing what you're like, but you've sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to reveal yourself to us. And today you send your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we pray today you'd give us the eyes that see the Lord Jesus Christ, give us the eyes of faith, that trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we pray we hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans chapter 4, verse 16. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gave life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which is as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also, It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. When I was about 13, I saw this advert for a sponsored abseiling for Help the Aged. Can't say I had a huge heart for the aged at that age. Now, obviously, it's different. Uh, but I thought, great, a great opportunity to go abseiling. So I signed up, uh, raised some money, and there I went. Did it with my sister. And it was abseiling off a tower block. Uh, it's about 13 stories, sort of 10 residential stories and, and some sort of commercial units up top. So got the escalator up to the 10th floor. was about to climb up the steps, but had a creepy cheeky uh, peek out the window. And at 13, I realised that I was quite scared of heights. <laughs> anyway, my, my pride didn't stop me, so I kept going up. And uh, I think it was probably some sort of Royal Marine uh, off-duty he said, yeah, it's very simple, I'm just going to lower you down, just lean back. And uh, it's really straightforward. And uh, so, so I went for it. But I, I can't really say I leaned back. He almost sort of had to kick me off the edge. And rather than one of his sort of glamorous sort of jumping off the side, you know, maybe three jumps down 100 feet, he sort of lowered me, sort of trembling bumping up against the wall, I sort of still feel in my mind's eye the sort of scratches of the brickwork against my knuckles as I was clinging onto the rope. And uh, all made worse for me is my sister did it after me, just sort of elegantly just jumping off the wall. Now, it's a simple story. It's a simple story. But the difference between uh, my sort of lack of faith, my lack of confidence in the, in the rope in, in heights meant that although I did exactly the same thing as what my sister did, I enjoyed it a lot less. Now, I I did have faith uh, in the rope. I obviously decided to go down. Although I was proud, I wouldn't have just jumped off if if the marina said, yeah, you'll be fine. I I knew that the rope would hold me, but my confidence was slight. And of course, it's just, I'm telling you this, you probably know why, it's a parallel really for the Christian life. Uh, The Christian life is one where Uh, We're not saved by the strength of our faith. We've been talking about this a lot recently. We're saved uh, by uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we put our trust in him, small or big, he will save us. And he will declare us righteous, right with God. We're not saved by the strength of our confidence. And yet it's far more enjoyable, the Christian life, to have strong trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to have every confidence that we're totally right with God our Father in heaven. Another way of saying the same thing is saying so the Christian life is a little bit like a, a train journey, and the strength of your faith basically determines whether you travel in first class or travel in second class. I'll say a first or second class Christian, but the enjoyment is a lot more. I uh, came up from the train from Leeds um, on Tuesday uh, to get sorry from London to Leeds on Tuesday. And you know that feeling when you walk past first class, you're always slightly resentful, but you're always resentful because they have a much better experience. But of course, the train gets you to location either way, doesn't it? And the one who can have strong faith in Christ doesn't make them a first class Christian by any means, but it does make the journey a lot more enjoyable. And my aim this morning is to increase your faith in Christ. Uh, we see that um, with Abraham, how his faith be Look at um, 4 verse 20. No distrust made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. He grew in his faith. He grew strong in his faith. We see that in Mark chapter 9. Do you remember when the father, with a, with a boy in a desperate situation, is demon-possessed? And uh, he says to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And listen, before we get into the verses, we're looking at the last three. Let me just summarise Romans really quickly. Uh, so far, it's it's a letter of good news, but it starts basically with bad news. And the bad news is that we all have sin. Whether we're naturally rebellious, naturally re- religious, naturally rule keepers, we've all fallen short of God's standards. We've all done what ought not to be done. And God is angry with our sin. Our problem isn't so much that we've sinned; it's that God is angry with our sin. But the good news, of course, is that Jesus has died for us on the cross, and because He's died for us on the cross. Jesus absorbed God's anger. He's turned aside God's wrath and he's given us the status as being righteous. We are declared to be right with God our Father. And in chapter four, we've seen that justification, that right standing with God we receive through faith. That is what uh, chapter four tells us. It's not just any belief in the supernatural, but it's looking and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I think the last three verses really do now is really try and drive this home to us. It's like saying that you've heard the theory. You've heard how someone gets justified. Now have confidence that you are justified. You are right with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a bit like uh, going to um, the Lego store. Has anyone been to the Lego store in the Trinity Centre? Um, absolutely. Lovely. Yeah, some at the back. Uh, I, I love it going with my children there. I've got to confess though, I use it more as a museum than an actual shop. <laughs> we go in there. Yeah, children, have a look. And uh, my favorite is probably the Titanic Lego. I don't know if you've seen that. It's about 500, or 800 quid. I cannot believe that Lego costs that much. But we go in, we look around and say to the children, no, 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 it's not for buying. Let's go. And of course it is for buying. And that's the point of Lego, isn't it? You're, you're meant to sort of take it home, take it out of the box, look at the instructions, build it, enjoy it, see the finished article. It's not just for looking at in shops. And that's the same for justification. It's not here just to be looked at. Like a theory, oh, I know how someone gets justified. The Apostle Paul's saying, are you justified? Because the Lord Jesus Christ has died for us in this room. That's what's going on here. And if you see, again, in these verses, it's all about us. Um, so look at verse uh, 23. Uh, so verse 24, it was for our sake that these words were written. Again, 24, it's counted to us. 25, Jesus was delivered for our trespasses and he was raised for our justification. It's really personal. So let's get into what, is, what are these benefits that we get? What is done for us in these uh, short three verses? We're going to see four things. There's a promise for us. There's a counting to us. There's a death for us. And there's a resurrection for us. So let's take them. Let's take them all in turn. Firstly, a promise for us. Let me just read from 22 again. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. But for ours also. Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness but those words aren't just for him, they're for us in this room this morning, us who have gathered here today. It's not for the person next to you, it's for all of us, it's for you too. You see when we read the Bible it is not just a history It is a history. There's loads of history in it. It is accurate history. We can see what God has been doing in the world. But it's not just a history. It's not just a biography of the life of God, of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's a message to us. You could say it's a love letter to us. It's written to us to tell us that we are righteous by faith, by looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. So, firstly, It's a promise for us. There's a promise for us here this morning. Secondly, there's a counting to us. And let me just read again. uh, Verse 20, I'll read from verse 23 again. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone. That's Abraham's. But for ours also, it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead. Jesus, our Lord. Now, this counting language is all over Romans chapter 4. We've not gone into it in too much detail uh, so far. But if you cast your eyes back to chapter 3, it's where it gets going. And, and, and so often, about three times, this, this verse from Genesis is referred to. So verse 3, um, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Sometimes if you used the, the NIV, it might say credited to him as righteousness. We've got this counting language again and again, verse four. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but at his due, verse five. And to the one who does not work, but trust him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Again, it comes up in the next verse, verse six, verse eight. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not count his sin. And it comes up again and again and again in chapter four. There's this idea of counting of it being in your account, of crediting or reckoning or considering. What, is, what, what does this word mean? What does this word mean, counting, crediting? And of course, we've, we've, gone, we've gone into it in a bit of detail. But really, I just want to, for the avoidance of doubt, at the end of chapter four, make sure we've got really clear on what the apostle means when he talks about faith being counted as righteousness or faith credited as righteousness. So it's not that... Our faith is our righteousness. It's not to say that faith is an alternative way of giving God what He requires. You know how you uh, buy something online, maybe Black Friday, you're busy online, and you, you go through electronic payments, says how, you, how you're going to pay. And you get lots of different options, don't you? Uh, I guess you can't pay online by cash. That would often be a, an option in a restaurant, but you know, it could be cash, it could be card, it could be PayPal, uh, Google Pay, Apple Pay, lots of different ways of paying uh, someone and it's not saying faith is righteousness like you can either give God your righteousness or you can give God your faith it's a choice of two it doesn't really matter that's not what's saying in fact there's only one way to give God what he requires God does require righteousness that is what we have been made to be we've made to be right with him we've made to live righteously and God requires righteousness So it's not that faith is an alternative thing to give God as righteousness. Rather, it's through our faith we're given a righteous status. And I really just want us to see that, that we are given a righteous status. It's not like we're giving God uh, our faith as an alternative righteousness. No, we need to be righteous. We need to be righteous. And I just want us to see that. So let's just we're just going to work backwards, really, just through the bit of Romans. So go back to. Uh, chapter four, verse 11, just um, probably over the column Four, verse 11. What's going on here? Um, I read it out. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. What does he have? He has righteousness. Keep reading. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. That's the key thing. They, they have this righteousness. If you have faith, you have righteousness. Righteousness is the thing that you need, and it's counted through the faith. Let's see that back in verse six as well. So just back a, a far, five more verses from where we are. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So that's what God is doing. He's looking for righteousness. And he's counting righteousness. He's counting it to us who believe. He's looking for righteousness and it is counted to those who have faith. It's accessed through faith. Let's just turn back again uh, to the chapter beforehand. So chapter three, verse 21 and 22. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ through all who believe. The righteousness of God is given to us. That's the thing uh, God's looking for. That's the thing we get, it's righteousness. And it's faith, as it were, uh, is like the hands that grab hold of Christ, that grab hold of the righteousness. It's not the hands that we need, it's the righteousness that we need, but that's not what we get through faith. Let's just turn to a different book now. Just flip on to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me read out a verse from it. Just maybe don't turn, just listen. God is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness. Let me paraphrase that. Christ is our righteousness. That's what Apostle Paul teaches. Christ is our righteousness. So so when the Apostle Paul says faith is counted to us as our righteousness, or faith is counted as righteousness, it means that through faith we get Christ. We're united to Christ, the Apostle Paul will say elsewhere, who is our righteousness. When God sees us, he counts Christ, who we have grasped by faith. Uh, let me try and give an illustration of this obviously we all know it's the World Cup at the moment I don't know how many games you've managed to watch so far hopefully more than I have but I want you to imagine that Phoebe and Arthur say look can we, can we watch the game on Tuesday it's England-Wales at 7 o'clock and I'm reluctant to do so because uh, it starts at 7 it's a bit late for them but on the other hand I want to teach them a lesson so I'm okay yeah fine uh, you can watch it if your room is tidy you can watch it if your room is tidy and at the moment there's literally Lego pieces everywhere it's a nightmare. But I say, yeah, I want to get the room tidy. You can watch it if your room is tidy. So they're delighted. They're absolutely delighted. So they wake up on Tuesday morning and knowing they have to have a tidy room. And yet they're so excited about the game and actually so disorganized that they rush up to school without tying their room. It's a total mess. And I come into their room and I see it's an untidy room. And I, I know what's going to happen. They've been absolutely devastated about this. So I decide to tidy it myself. I decide to tidy the room for them. And I go to uh, pick up, uh, pick them up from school. This is a completely fictional account. I, I never do any of these sorts of things in the day normally. Um, but just imagine I pick them up from school and, um, and they jump in the car. Of course, they've been chatting to their friends all about the football, they're so excited. And I just interrupt them. I said, but guys, I said you needed a tidy room. And suddenly their faces fall. The eyes start to well up the bottom lip starts to wobble and they're gutted and they're complaining and then they realise they made a deal with me and they start to ask for mercy. They say, oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. And I say to them, you didn't tidy your room, but I credit your apology as a tidy room. I credit your apology as a tidy room. You can watch the game. Now, it's an imperfect analogy but notice, um, the, their apology is not the clean room. Their apology is an apology. I required a clean room, and there is a clean room. just that I happen to do it. I don't like setting myself up as a saviour figure, so you're going to have to sort of uh, <laughs> see this analogy for what it is. But notice, too, the children did not clean their room, did they? They did not clean their room. I'm not saying they cleaned their room, but I'm credited to them with a clean room. The clean room is the clean room. I cleaned it, but because they apologised... I treated them as if they had a clean room. They are given credit for something that was required of them, but they did not do. But it was through the apology. Through faith, you could say, in my mercy. Now, listen, imperfect analogy as it is. In the same way, we are credited with Jesus' righteousness through our faith, through our trust in him. Now, we've got to remember, this is more than just forgiveness. Forgiveness. See, the gospel is not a gospel of second chances, thank goodness. It's not a gospel of second chances. I know I need more than a second chance. So, I get a second chance, I know I'll fail it all over again. In fact, third, fourth, fifth chance, I fail my chance daily, as do you. The gospel is not a gospel of second chances. It is the gospel that Jesus Christ is righteous. He has lived a lifetime of righteousness. So the sins that you are forgiven and the righteousness that you are given... It's not just what you've done in the past. It's not just for today. It is to cover your future failings as well, because Jesus Christ gave the life of righteousness. He lived the life of righteousness. And that is what we are given. The gospel is the promise of righteousness through faith. On the cross, Jesus gets my sin and I'm credited. I'm counted as having lived the perfect life that he lived. I get his Righteousness. And it's wonderful news. And there's all the difference between my faith being counted as righteousness with my faith being my righteousness. Because if I think of my faith as my righteousness, every day I'm going to be asking myself, have I believed enough? And very often I'll be like, well, if I really did believe, I'd have behaved a lot better. And so I'll turn my behaviour into, back into my righteousness. Or even if I don't, I'll be looking inwardly to my faith. Being my righteousness but if you know that your faith is counted as your righteousness your faith in Christ is counted as righteousness you'll remind yourself when you're when, you, when you're mindful of your sin you'll stop looking inwards and you'll start looking to the object of your righteousness the Lord Jesus Christ I am righteous because Christ is righteous so two things so far a promise for us and accounting for us two more to go there's also a death for us. Let me read from the end of uh, I'll read the second half of 24 again and 25. It, it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses. This delivery language, it's not sort of like you know, delivering parcels, you know, Amazon Prime delivery. Delivered up means um, he was given over by God. God gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for our sins, for our trespasses. Remember the word our again. It's key for us, not just for other people, for us, for me, for you. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our trespasses. How could he do that? Because he never sinned. And if you think about it, it's quite strange. The Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth in the flesh 2000 years ago. And had he not died for our sins. He would still be walking about on this earth today. He did not need to die. There was nothing that required death from him. He would still be living. Now, of course, he did die and he was raised to dead, and he is now ascended in heaven. But he didn't need to die because he's the only one who does not, did not need to take the curse of death for himself. But that is exactly why he could die for us. To make us in the right with God. Well, how do we know? How do we know that's true? Well, the answer is the final point. There's a resurrection for us. Verse 25, let me read it again. Who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We know that Christ's death was sufficient for us because he was raised for our Justification. Now, this needs a bit of thought, but again, just imagine that Jesus had not been raised. What would that say about him? If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, it would mean that he was a sinner, being punished for his own sin. But of course, Jesus has been raised, hasn't he? He has been raised from the dead. Why was he raised from the dead? Well, he was raised from the dead as his reward. From the father for living the perfect life that was required of us, but also dying the death, the horrific death, the wrath bearing death that we deserve to die. But because he lived with life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. He was raised. He was raised as his reward from the father. And that is God saying to him, he is righteous. But of course, the verse doesn't say he is righteous. He says he was raised for our justification. Jesus was raised for our justification. Because he was raised, it meant he died for sins that weren't his. And Jesus' resurrection is the proof to us that we are righteous. In him being raised, God is declaring us righteous as well. He's declaring that Jesus died for our sins and its worked. we are now declared righteous we're given Jesus righteous record and as we see Jesus raised to life remember well whose sin did he died for he didn't die for his own he lived the perfect life well he must have died for mine and God has raised him which means it worked and Jesus can't die for sins twice so when the verse says Jesus was raised for our justification it's like saying Jesus resurrection is the proof that we are righteous. It is the declaration that not only is he righteous, but that we are righteous. We are declared righteous with God. If you uh, go swimming, if you swim 50 meters, what do you get? You'll get your 50 meter swimming badge, don't you? Good behavior in school, what do you get? Sometimes you get a certificate saying, you know, done what you've done. Certification is important in so many areas of life, isn't it? You, get your, you don't get driving licence certificates anymore, back in the day, show my age. But you do get the card, don't you? It proves that something is true of you. Well, the resurrection is proof that you are righteous. It's proof that I am righteous. Well, let's draw things to a close. There's four for us's in here. Four things That we are given. There's a promise for us. There's a counting to us of righteousness. There's a death for us. And there's a resurrection for us as well. And this justification that all of chapter four has been talking about is ours. It's ours this morning. That is what uh, the apostles. Getting back to here. He's saying this is not just an abstract thing. We're not just telling you some theory. It's for you. It's for me. Let's draw out some uh, implications of this. Firstly, this is a reminder for us all to look again to Christ for our justification. To look for Christ for our righteousness. I remember um, many years ago when I was living in London, there was a dear dear chap called John and he was really a lovely godly guy he'd been a Christian for about 30 years of his life but he was sort of nearing the final chapter of life and he often used to tell us of his concerns about dying not the physical side of dying but the spiritual side of dying he'd often say to us I just I'm just a bit nervous have I done enough have I done enough and in many ways I found it remarkable that he'd been a Christian such a long time but he was still looking inwardly but I guess in one sense he was just being honest about what many of us do all the time it is our instinct it is our default very often to look inwardly have I done enough and of course we used to say to John not yeah you'll be all right you've done enough we say John of course you've not done enough of course you've not done enough but Christ has look to him and that's what we're reminded to do throughout this chapter, but particularly today, to look to Christ, look to Christ. He has done it all for us. It's his record is counted to us. It's said that you can spell every religion in the world with the letters uh, D and O, do. Every religion in the world is about do, 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 what you do. Do you read your religious book enough? Do you go on pilgrimage enough? Do you fast enough? Are you zealous enough? But Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done, because it's all been done by Christ. He has died, or we should say he has lived, he's lived the perfect life we should have lived. He's died the death we should have died and he's been raised by his father and our father. We talked about it a few weeks ago. When you are struggling to believe your watchness, stop looking within. For one look within, take 10 looks at him. Keep looking to Christ. So look to Christ for your justification. Don't look inwardly, look outwardly. Secondly, be confident in Christ. Be confident. Don't just look to Christ. Look to Christ with confidence that you are right with God. You see, Jesus' approval, his resurrection, is your approval as well. Jesus' resurrection is your justification. Next time you spend a day, the whole day, you look back on a day, you spend a day not praying. You've not prayed once. You've not even thought about the scriptures or something you heard on Sunday. Maybe you very mindful that you've spent the day not glorifying God. You've not honoured him with your money. You've not honoured him with your time. You've not honoured him with your language. You've just been thinking about other things. You've either just been completely oblivious to him or you know you're pretty clear that you've been actively rebelling against him. And next time... You look at something on the internet that you know you shouldn't be looking at. Uh, Next time you lose your temper. Next time you drink something. Next time you take something. Next time you kiss someone you know you shouldn't have. Ask yourself this question. Who sin did Christ die for? Who sin did Christ died for? Well, it wasn't his, was it? It wasn't his. It was yours. Christ died for your sin. And then ask yourself, question: how do I know? How do I know? Because God raised him. God raised him. God's raising of Christ is the sign that he died for someone else's sin. He didn't die for his own sin. He died for your sin. And if you're looking to Jesus Christ, he counts you as righteous. So look to Christ for your justification. Be confident in Christ for your justification. And finally, personalise the gospel. Personalise the gospel. Remember uh, what the Apostle Paul says uh, back in 23. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. For ours also. As I preached to you this morning, I'm not giving you a lecture on theology. I'm not giving you information about God. In so far as I'm being faithful to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is speaking this morning. In so far as I'm being faithful to the scriptures, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to you this morning. And I don't mean he's speaking to the person next to you, although of course he is. He's speaking to all of us. He's speaking to all of us. And he's saying this. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ, because as you look to him, you are righteous. You are righteous. You are right with me. Let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we confess to you that we so frequently look to our behaviour as our standing before you. Sometimes it is just looking at the things we have done externally, but sometimes we even look to the strength of our faith. Father, help us to not be so foolish. Help us to look to Christ. And help us as we look to Christ to have every confidence that we are right with you. As we remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ... Please, would that give us great confidence that we are right with you. Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending him to live the lives we should have lived. We thank you that he lived a life of perfection. And we thank you that through his death and resurrection, we are not just forgiven. But we are now counted as righteous. And we pray we believe this deeply. And we pray, to give us great joy in our standing before you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.